Hello. So we're starting a new thing. We're going to be doing introductions, just so we can get little updates out to you about things that are going on outside the podcast. That's right. We're doing a bit of a revamp so we can actually give more attention to the podcast. We're going to try to step up to do weekly episodes and each of them are going to have an intro telling you about what's to come. It's going to be lots of fun. So we really do have some cool guests scheduled and some fantastic conversations already recorded including a chat that I'd like to highlight that we had with the research director for Theracil, a Canadian nonprofit advocacy organization that's leading the charge to improve medical access to psilocybin, which I think is a really interesting and worthy cause. Mm -hmm. Specifically, they're looking at access for people with terminal diagnoses who are looking for help coming to terms with their own death. Theracil is actually currently gearing up for a charter challenge with this goal in mind. And so we'd really like to encourage you to check out their website, theracil.ca. T-H-E-R-A-P-S-I-L dot C-A to see more about their work. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I definitely think you should check it out. And even, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it seems like they're really denying people access to uh, end of life things. So even, you know, contact your local MP. Uh, yeah. Lots of different things you can get involved with that. And we do have some... They've yeah. got uh, really clear links on their website for advocacy actions that you can take. It's a, really, it's a really interesting cause. I encourage you to check it out. Well, and we've got some exciting news around that too that we'll get to eventually be one of our intros. But we're going to also announce here too that we are sponsoring something and that is a comedy tour since I'm a comedian, something near and dear to my heart. We are sponsoring the Canada Comedy Jam Tour and it's presented by Comedy on the Verge. And we're launching in April 1st in Grand Forks, British Columbia. And we're going to bring comedians to smaller communities all over British Columbia and Western Canada. Sometimes those places don't get events. Yeah, so we have this thing we're sponsoring and I'm going to talk about death in some of my comedy shows too. Yeah, and if that interests you at all, you can follow Comedy on the Verge at Comedy on the Verge or Canada Comedy Jam at Canada Comedy Jam, both on Instagram. They are both on Facebook as well under the same titles, Comedy on the Verge and Canada Comedy Jam. And there is a website, comedyontheverge.com, just in case you needed another way to find them. There's links everywhere. And you can find them. Maybe not on our site, but, you know, just Google. Well, we can stick it on our link tree. Yeah. And and also, I'd like to say, too, specifically, this episode was a lot of fun that we recorded. Yeah. That's with our friend Trish. And it's a little bit different. It's about it's about death. You'll just have to listen. And like I say, we've got lots of fun episodes recorded and coming up. So I hope you enjoy this one, though. Yeah. This was a really beautiful conversation. Uh, there was a lot of, of introspection, vulnerability that shone through. And, and I think that you'll really enjoy it. So here we go. And welcome to Talk Me to Death. I'm your host, Amanda. I'm here with my co-host, Andrew. Hello. And today we're talking to our dear friend, Trish. Hi. So Trish is joining us uh, to talk about the fascinating topic of after-death communication. So what I was thinking is that I would start off by giving um, a little bit of a synopsis of some reading I've done on the topic, and then we can dive in with maybe some questions, a little bit of uh, personal history from yourself, and kind of you know see where the conversation takes us, since that's the whole point. So. I did a little bit of reading prior to this, not, not too, too much, because I really wanted to come to it with a, as fresh a perspective as possible. But it turns out that there's actually a, a reasonable amount of, of research, uh, investigation done into the phenomena of after-death communication. Um, and one of the things I discovered, as I was mentioning to you earlier, uh, which I really wouldn't have expected and didn't realize, is that the experience of after-death communication seems to happen to people essentially almost equally across 
age, gender, socioeconomic status, professional background, cultural background. Now, I didn't do a lot of looking into who they were talking to when they were doing this research, but in general, um, across several peer-reviewed articles that I did find, that seems to be the consensus, which I thought was really fascinating. Well, it sounds like to me, if I can jump in to say that when you get a general consensus, because I think the gut feeling for people is to be like, I talk to dead people, or dead people talk to me, they go, oh, I'm glad, you know, I hope you get the help you need. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like that, and that's right? exactly like what they crazy, say in the articles. Yeah. You're, the people, so the fact that it's so broad range, it's like not everyone could be crazy is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and it was interesting because that's one of the things they say in the articles is that there's a lot of people who, you know, when asked directly under these circumstances did say, well, yes, I experienced something, you know, it was this. I've never told anyone because my doctor would think I was crazy. My mother would disown me, whatever mm-hmm. it was, which is which is really unfortunate because the other thing that they commented across almost without exception in the articles that I found was how helpful the experience was. There, it's an incredibly, I don't remember what the numbers are, but it's an incredibly, incredibly small portion of people who reported that their after-death communication experience, whatever form it took, didn't somehow assist them with their grief or their sense of continuity or their sense of ongoing connection to the person that had died. Like it, it was pretty, and again, I, I don't have a lot of specifics on the actual research, but it seemed to be pretty universally beneficial. Hmm. So it's really sad to me that people don't feel like this is something that they can can talk about because whatever the experience is, wherever it comes from, if it's helpful, how can that be a bad thing? Right. I, yeah, I think. That's true. So the other thing that, that seemed to be kind of, uh, there was various categorizations, how they broke down uh, what after death communication, what form it took. But in general, you know, there was like, conversation, dream, um, sensory, whether it be that you smelt something, heard something, uh, saw something, uh, sometimes just a general sense. Sometimes it was, you know, medium assisted or, or psychic assisted, things like that. And then they also kind of further broke it down into the concept of spontaneous, where it just happened. You weren't expecting it. You weren't planning for it. You weren't hoping for it. It just was a thing that, that occurred facilitated where you had done something to maybe try and encourage the communication to happen. That was a very strange pronunciation. Assisted, where you go through perhaps a psychic or a medium or, or some other party or follow a specific protocol. And then request, and I didn't totally understand the difference between assisted and requested. I think requested was maybe more to do with like following a protocol. Um, like there's some, there's been ad- adaptations of EMDR, which is um, a PTSD treatment therapy modality uh, using eye movement to help deprogram the nervous system. And so there's a variation on that that someone developed that apparently assists in facilitating after-death communication experiences. Wow. So I think that's what they meant by requested, but, you know, obviously people can correct me. So Mm. that's my little synopsis of what I know. Hmm. Sounds great. (laughs) So Trish, tell us about you had briefly alluded to kind of your personal experience, mm-hmm. but maybe if you wouldn't mind kind of giving us a little bit of a, of a setup, some background on how you came to the experience that you had or experiences and then sure. kind of what they were. Yeah. Well, there's two main stories that I'm going to share today. Of um, my, I call them my ghost stories. I've definitely told them at parties before. I'm not afraid of sharing my experience because maybe that's just my personality. But yeah, I do go. Okay. So I've told these stories a few times. I feel like they're well rehearsed. I hope you guys enjoy them. But just to preface them, I want to let everyone know that I grew up going to my Nana's home, which was on the shores of Lake Huron in Godrich, Ontario. And it was a century old, beautiful home. 
uh, that overlooked the water. But with all of its beauty and charm and fantastic like antique furniture and lush drapes and, you know, Persian carpets, it was haunted to me. Like every time I went in that house, it was Hmm. haunted. So um, sleepovers there were always a little bit like filled with terror, you know. (laughs) That's not fun. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, in the whole time I was always there, I never once saw a ghost. It's so funny, though, you say that because I, I, I've had that same sort of thing, too, where I've been at, uh, like, my aunt has an old farmhouse, and I, I liked going there, but there was, like, not just because it was old, but it just had this feeling of being haunted, and there's sort of, like, there is sort of, like, an unknown, feels like an unknown terror with that, but, but yeah, I always had it, I, I didn't ever leave there feeling like, uh, I always had a good time, you know? Well, were there any family ghost stories at the house? Uh, you know what? I never really asked too much because it was like the last, well, last time I was there was about two years ago. And then the time before, uh, I would think I was 10. So it was like, I felt like asking. I, it was like, I didn't want to see what was behind the curtain. If they, right. <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, of course, that's uh, <laughs> Emily. You know, like I expected there to be an answer. So I didn't actually do that. But anyway, so. Well, at my Nana's house at the at the cottage in Godrich, there was family folklore, history, tales, whatever, you know, drunken stories around mm. the table of seeing granddad's face at the at the back door and then faded into the darkness. And in retrospect, I got to like, remember, these were a bunch of stoner alcoholics telling me these stories. Like, right. I don't know what might have actually happened, but they for some reason, these ghost stories came up often. And it was one of my dad seeing his father's face on the door. And mm. we, we never went in that room. I now understand maybe that my Nana was a hoarder. And so that was the room filled with all of... That's where the stoner and uh, alcoholic supplies were, actually, <laughs> probably. That's what... That's a good... <laughs> that's actually a... <laughs> <laughs> what was Because honestly, I always say that because there's a lot of like folklore things that I've heard that are like, it doesn't matter if they're true or not, but sometimes they would, they would reinforce them just to, to, to like as a warning. Like oh my o- gosh. like Ogopogo and the the lake monster in Lake Okanagan Lake comes from a uh, the folklore comes from there's a spot where you can swim across the lake and it used to be a time when if you swim across the lake you'd probably run into grizzly bears and cougars and other wolves and stuff so they said don't swim across the lake because you're gonna get eaten by the monster so you know what I mean so oh my like, gosh I'm realizing the genius in my dad's parenting. That is why that story must have went on so much. And to just get us in, I don't know. I don't, we would all go to bed and just, I remember like shaking under those feather quilts, like, oh my goodness, what's happening? And it was a giant house. There was beds for everyone. And I'm in the middle of seven kids. And so all of the, all the whispers and like the, the taunting of, from the older brothers, like shoving me in dark rooms and, you know, saying Trish is in there with the ghosts, like that, that type of experience was definitely common when we were at Nana's house but in the that was on the upstairs that was haunted thankfully the downstairs wasn't in my head and so that was a safe place hmm. so that was nice mm-hmm. interesting. It, you know it's so interesting because although it sounds like maybe at times it wasn't the most pleasant experience as a child <laughs> I, I love the idea that you had like family context mm-hmm one thing I, I've I never really had in, in any arena for myself growing up is any sort of a family context. I don't know anything about my family history. We have no family traditions. There's no real oral stories that go with anything. There's no specific family locations that we hearken to. Like there, there's really, 
I, I, I've grown and I, it's never been a problem because I don't know any different, but I've grown up adrift. Right. And so when I hear right. stories about from people who have like context and like familial foundation, whatever form it takes, I just go, that sounds so cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> my, actually my great, great grandmother bought great, great grandmother. So two generations back, a woman bought this property. That's wow. how much wealth their family had. Hmm. And it's like trickled down to now I'm like, I might get like a few grand from my dad when he dies. But like, you know, it's just so funny how the money went down through the all they're all, they were all It's so hard alcoholics. to sell haunted houses too. That's the problem. <laughs> My uncle now lives in it and he has turned it into an antique store. Cool. Oh. Selling his mother's furniture. <laughs> oh, that's fun. So that's kind of neat. Well, yeah. something, some, two things occurred to me too is like you're saying that like that. Actually, I totally forgot this. My, my mom grew up in, uh, she had seven brothers and sisters and they had bought a big house in uh, Elmer, Ontario. That's where they lived at the time. And uh, it was an old funeral home. Oh, wow. And so there is ghost stories. I know that. I've no kidding. Really, like, and I've never been, I think I've driven by there once when I was a kid to be like, mom was like, that's where I used to live. But there was like, they still had like downstairs, still had like the, like embalming room. Your mom was raised in an old funeral home? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was like. Explains for, so much, doesn't it? Whoa. The, parents, <laughs> uh, the, the only things I remember is that she said there was a piano that would play itself sometimes. And I was like, that might've just been a player piano and they just didn't tell the kids. I don't know. But no, but really, and then they'd hear, you know, noises. and But they also used to do like a legit haunted house, I guess, during Halloween too. Yeah, that would be and amazing. Would, and, but I, I, and the downstairs still had the embalming room oh, with like wow. drains in the floor and like this crazy and like, I don't know, all sorts of weird stuff. But so I do remember the second thing that occurred to me too is like telling kids ghost stories mm -hmm. is actually kind of in the same vein of, because I remember I've told stories, ghost stories to kids before. And uh, it's in the same vein as Santa Claus, you know, because kids just accept it and go, okay. And they ask questions, but they also just kind of accept it. You know, there's a certain age. And so it's kind of fun to perpetuate, like Amanda was saying, sort of like a folklore. Mm -hmm. So there might be a thing to be like, yeah, hey, these kids aren't going to question it. Let's but scare also... them in a way. And because kids can be scared, but they're also because the same thing is like accepting a magical man that lives at the North Pole that delivers presents, which is real, by the way. Yeah. And uh, for all the kids listening. And um, but then also telling a story about a ghost story. Kids just accept that, too. Yeah. And that's enough to, I'm sure Trish can attest, probably keep you up at night. But then you flip it on your head and go, but there are adult stories. I'll co-op the, the conversation for a second and say, again, not really raised spiritual, religious, like nothing. We, we were just, I don't know, we were cardboard cutouts basically growing up. You know, and not having any family context, you know, there was, there was, there was nothing woo in my life at all. It, we weren't anti-woo. It just Your didn't family exist. sounds scary. <laughs> right? <laughs> but kidding. so that being said, I distinctly remember on multiple occasions, my father telling a story. He used to be in the Navy when he was younger and uh, having an encounter when he was in the Navy, he was crossing the equator. He was on night watch. He was out on the deck by himself. Um, it was foggy. There was a man standing at the bow of the ship. Nobody else was supposed to be out and about. There's a man standing at the bow of the ship smoking a pipe that he could see quite distinctly. Turned around, looked at my father, walked towards him, disappeared as he was walking towards my father. Wow. And, my, and my dad is not. I totally believe it. He's not one of those dudes. Yeah, I get it. Like, like yeah. you've met my father. He's, yeah. he's not that guy. And he, he tells a story and he's like, this happened. 
Mm. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it meant anything, but this happened. It's the only experience he's ever uh, discussed. But then later on, when I was in my very early 20s, my father's mother, my Oma, passed away. Mm -hmm. And she happened to die. She had a suite attached to the house we were living in because we were helping to care for her. She'd had a stroke a few years before. She died sitting in her chair in her suite. Hmm. And after she passed away, I was home. I'd been away for school. I was home for the holidays, like a, a couple of months after she passed away. And I distinctly remember over the course of those holidays when that suite was dead empty and no one else was on the property. I'm 110% certain about that. It was only me. My family had gone into town for something. They were not home. There was nobody else around. Mm -hmm. We had no close neighbors. We were on uh, an acre parcel. So everybody's a ways away distinctly hearing the sound of footsteps that sounded identical to my Oma's wow. walking around in the suite on the other side of the wall, cupboard doors opening and closing, drawers rolling in and out. Very clear as though she was preparing a meal in the kitchen. Sounded exactly like she sounded when she was alive and there was no one there. Didn't wow. freak me out. You didn't like, yeah, what was your feeling? It, uh, that's just it. I was just like, oh, that's weird. Like that totally sounds like Oma, but she's dead. I didn't, oh. I, weirdly, bizarrely, I didn't really think anything of it, but it was, it for sure was like, there, I don't know what else could possibly have produced that sound or, or like, and the cadences and stuff. I was not close to my Oma. It wasn't like I was pining away after her death. Mm -hmm. She she was a figure in my life. I, I had been around her long enough to know the cadences of the sound of her existence on the other side of that wall. Yeah. And they were identical. Anyhow, it just, that was interesting. So. Now that we've we've taken over the conversation, sorry, no, Trish, no, no, please. I like your your story too, though. Your... Yeah, I think it does because mm -hmm. again, it, it provides like you don't have this folklore, but you have these seemingly, uh, yeah, just have these experiences. And it was just, it was super has, random, you know, and it's still I've the never presence of your your Oma was there, yeah, right? and it's I I've never had anything before or since that I've been aware of, mm -hmm. it, and it was. I, I can't say like in line with the research and stuff that I was doing, I can't say that I found it particularly comforting or anything because like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't really wasn't close to her and I, I didn't right. feel, I didn't feel a massive sense of loss or absence um, or longing after she died. She'd never been that sort of presence in my life, hmm. but it was, it was interesting. So I remember at the time being like, hmm, there's something just happened. Did you tell your parents when they came <laughs> Yeah. Up? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've told my parents. They, uh, same thing. They kind of just sort of like, went, oh yeah, cool. Like, it, which is weird because, again, not having any sort of background in that or any bent towards that, I, I would have more likely expected them to be like, oh, you're an idiot. That's silly. Right. You know, not because they were trying to be cruel, but just because they would have been like, Pfft. but they were just like, oh, yeah, interesting. Hmm. Just sort of left it at that. Anyhow. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I want to hear more about the. Yes. Uh, tell us about this mansion. house. Oh, the haunted mansion. Well, the the place. That Sorry, we about. we interrupted oh, your no, setup. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, no, it yeah. was it was just like my my nana's house. Yeah, I wish I rem we had a better name for it, but that's just what we called it. Was nana's house. So, despite every single sleepover I ever had there, which was plenty in the summers when I was young with my cousins, um, I never once saw a ghost. I always felt like I wanted to. We actually, as we were older, around the age of 12, you know, after our nails were drying and stuff, we'd play Ouija board. Nice. And I would be like, today's the day. It's going to happen, guys. And we'd play ghost hunters, you know, and like, oh, I think I think that window pane, it looks like a different shade. And you'd convince yourself. But like, we were just kids being kids. But yeah. And I wonder now, Andrew, if my parents yeah. ever actually did see ghosts or not. Well, that's, but that's what I'm saying. It's that. The, that's like the Ogopogo. It's like mm -hmm. people sell, they've seen the Ogopogo in the water and it might have been, it might have been like a, a real thing at one point. And then they were like, well, 
let's just continue this on because people safe. It, it keeps yeah, the it liquor keeps, safe. Keeps the liquor safe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and bongs are made of glass and kids knock them over. Yeah. Exactly. I'm looking at you, my nephew. Just kidding. <laughs> well, we can just like jump right into yeah, the first absolutely. ghost yeah. story I I'd have. Love it. Official uh, ghost story. Um, I was trying to think of all the details over the last few days, but it must have been 2001. So I was in grade 11. So how old is that? I was born in 1984. Like 16, 17? Yeah, 17. Yeah. I was 17. And so I had my own bedroom at the end of one end of the corridor. And my mom and dad's bedroom was at the end of this very long corridor that was very wide. We were at in a really big house to house all nine of us and the home we were actually built anyways whatever it was a wide hallway <laughs> so I had my own little ensuite bathroom uh, in my bedroom and my mom also had an ensuite bathroom in her bedroom mimicking mine at the other end of the house her bedroom being bigger and everything being nicer but anyways so I'm laying in bed and the way that my bed was situated was that I could see right down the hallway from my pillow and my the door uh, was a pocket door and it was open so I could see right down. There was nothing impeding my, my visibility of the hallway. And also the pocket door into my ensuite bathroom was open. And because I had a little window behind me, I had the ambiance of like, of, I, it must have been moonlight. But there's no way my parents would have had the lights on. So the, the, the darkness of the night shining through the window providing enough light. So I woke up suddenly in the middle of the night being like, what was that? I remember thinking that, but I'm laying there in bed by myself. And out of the bathroom comes this figure. And she, all I remember is being like, what the heck is that? Mm. Like it was really a scary, like very chilling feeling. And she came right up to me and looked very close over the bed and then scooped up away and then like kind of just floated down the hall. And she um, was wearing a long, like granny style like linen nightgown that women wear and she was bald hmm. and so I was just like oh, that's creepy and I could see her float down the hall and I watched her because I was like what and it went right into my mom's room and my mom's bed I couldn't see because her room was so big and her bed was against the corner and so then I heard rah, 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 or something like that my mom murmured and then my mom like like a bullet ran to my bed, hopped on me and says, trish, 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 trish. I just saw my best friend from high school. She was in a long white nightgown and she was bald. And wow. I was like, what the fuck? Scared the shit out of us. We, were, we didn't sleep again that night. My mom is kind of like out there as well with her, what she feels, you know, she can sense with people or she's like, oh, I, I, I sense this was going to happen or I knew you would be like that. You know what I mean, how some women are. So for her, it seemed a little bit more expected. But for if she ran down the hallway and said that, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, mom. Sure, you're a little nuts. But the fact that I already saw it first really, yeah, no really kidding. hammered it home that my mom may have more going on in her stories than I believe, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, what, what in God's name are the chances that you two would distinctly experience two separate events that with the same descriptors? Yeah, yeah. It was very, very not but my mom being who she is wouldn't let it lay so in the morning she called a bunch of people who were related to this lady from high school she didn't know her last name because she had been married you know but she she called around luke in ontario and so oh wait i just a quick uh, for context mm -hmm. i'm just curious was it uh, so 
Uh, she said that's my best friend. So she has she, was she was friends with her in high school, or mm-hmm. had she lost contact with her yeah. over the year? Oh, okay. Yeah, because I had never heard of this friend at all. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so and she was never there was never anything where she was bald. No. Okay. So she your mom only knew her with hair. For sure. Gotcha. Okay. From like twenty years ago. Interesting. Yeah, twenty years prior, I guess, when my mom was in high school. So my mom, yeah. So she called around, found this this family, and figured, oh, she died last night. And she died of cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's where I'm just like, this gets shit gets real, man. And sometimes it's really hard not to cry when I tell this story. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, I okay. cry all the time. It's always, it, it always stirs it up. Like, of I, course. I can't. That's impactful. Not. How do you not? Mm. Yeah. And so uh, when you said earlier, you know, it like affects you in a good way. <laughs> I, I, I've never really like put it like in such a like. solid form but what that story taught me was you never know who was going to make a difference in your life yeah so just be nice to everyone and be good where you can because my mom had never mentioned this girl Hmm. you know and i'm like i think that's really cool that my mom was able to stand out in her life and be there on her final tour you know did so. you did you ever talk to your mother after the event about like what it had meant for her or oh, she'd taken anything away from it? She talked about it. Yeah, it was a big deal for her. Yeah. What did, what did she feel like she'd taken away from it for herself? <sighs> I don't know. I know she liked wearing the crown, the fact that like I could corroborate her story. Right. She really liked that part of it. Yeah. She felt like it she finally could she felt like you know, I'm not as crazy as I say. Because in the past, she said she saw other ghosts and stuff. And, you know, at Nana's house, she had her own ghost story, too. So, hmm. but yeah, that should be interesting. I could ask her that um, now, but I don't I don't know how to answer that for her. No, that's that's fair. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just wondering, because the other thing that occurs to me is I wonder if, you know, there's there's so many interesting and unexpected ways that the, that the world comes together, that mm-hmm. all those random acts turn into patterns you know Mm -hmm. so i part of me wonders like you seem to have gotten a really profound message out of that Mm. maybe the visitation was for you (laughs) right and your mom was the corroborating factor yeah maybe to to bring the message to you i I have no idea but i always thought i was a mess up in it because my mom would often sleep with me like my mom like almost always squished into my twin bed Mm. Almost always. And so that's why I was like, well, that's why she came to my bed first. Like, that's that's what I've always thought. It, it I've never a, seen it from the flip side. It's entirely possible. But yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, you, know. you are someone, you know, in, in, from what I mm-hmm. from what I've known of you, as limited as that might have been, you know, you, you do you're somebody who who does pay a lot of attention to other people. You're you're generous and thoughtful and, and oh. deep thinking in regards to others. You're very empathetic. You know, you you bring a lot of emotional connection to to the relationships that you participate in, you know, so. So and I have I, I'm sure I'm sure you were that person anyway, but I just right. wonder if you know it was just like a little push. It definitely <laughs> felt like a giant. Like it, it was it like when me and mom stayed up all night and like my mom just kept saying who her friend was. It didn't really mean much. It was just mm-hmm. like okay, that I don't know, I don't get it. But then once we heard she had died last night, it was like yeah, a brick of like that is life lesson hit yeah. me in the face. So more than impactful. A, mm-hmm. Did it change your relationship with your mother? Oh at yeah, all? yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. In in like a neutral way, like did, was it just a sidestep? Was it a positive? Oh, my deflection? mother is like a whole other podcast category. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's <laughs> aren't, aren't they all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she had suffered with bipolar disorder for a long time, 
and we at this point in our journey were still at a very bumpy spot she wasn't accepting it but this was something for me to at least be like you know some of the stuff maybe she's saying maybe it's real you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so it, it did it did soften my um just my my i don't know my relationship with her yeah made me accept her and give give her more patience uh, the one thing I'm wondering too is like also as part of the thing being I guess maybe it was for you to and that's part of that you know to be again like exactly you're in a bumpy spot with your mom what was the what was your mom and uh, her her friend's relationship like did, did had your mom maybe made an impact on her in some way or were they did they just drift apart because of high school ending or what was did she talk about that well this was like pre-facebook so i think if you left the district you were out of it so my mom yeah early on married my my dad and just Hmm. kicked it on out of luke in ontario and so just lost touch with your high school friends right yeah makes sense but i mom just said she was my best friend in high school Hmm. you know always like that Hmm. so yeah and she would not have known that's the other fun thing to me is like like you, she was in a, you guys were in a different house that the best friend would have known about, right? Yeah. Well, that's where, that's where, that was where the life lesson was. Cause it's like, you know, they're not looking, we talk about, we've talked about this so much. They're not looking for the address. They're looking for the soul, right? Yeah. So, well, we don't know that. Well, she maybe stopped at a couple houses and scared some people on the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think, I'd like to think. <laughs> Because your first gut, I mean, sorry, I'm not trying to make light of this, but you totally are. I am, but it'd be, you know, because really, I don't know how it works, but it'd be like, oh, I used to live there. That's, uh, I wonder who, I mean, obviously, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just trying to make a joke, but yeah, that's like Hollywood scare, right? Like, old man ghost lives at 102 Haunton yeah. Street. So, yeah, that's always, that's such a, st- like, I mean, really, we don't give ghosts enough credit to be like, you're in the afterlife and you think he's going to go back to his childhood home? Forget that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but also, from... isn't that an interesting juxtaposition? You mentioned Hollywood scare, right? So, like I said, I, I, I only did very, very basic preliminary research. Please, nobody hang me out to dry for not reading enough about this. But everything that I read talked, you know, overwhelmingly about positivity and and things like that mm-hmm. and you know resolution and, and yeah. contentment those sorts of concepts and yet hollywood inevitably almost without exception presents us with poltergeists mm-hmm. demons that suck you into another a dimension mm-hmm. yeah you know, ghosts that chase you and, and invade your mind until you go insane. Or they invade your mind. Yeah, you know? like it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the exact opposite of what seems. Well, I think it's like, that's why we're doing this podcast. It's because in the West and, but I mean, generally in our culture is like, you know, we are meant to fear death. And so there seems to be sometimes a, I don't know, a catalyst behind that. And, and again, we see that with other things in pop culture that like keeps us, keeps us afraid. And for yeah. whatever reason, so it's it's. I, I would say the same thing too about like what you just said about not about having an experience about not being afraid. Anytime I've had any kind of like, quote unquote, supernatural experience that I couldn't explain, I I've never been scared to be honest when I was actually experiencing it. And um, I mean, really, because it's uh, I don't know. I I I've never had anything like you had, Trish, like that. It was an of... eerie feeling. I'm not saying I was. It was it was unsettling for sure. Mm-hmm. Like. Oh yeah. Yeah, hair back of that neck, like it was, it was intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, I, I'm not trying to. I mean, cancer is no. horrible, and right, and, right. and the thing that happens, but 
I mean, I'm sorry, seeing any bald woman in a nightgown would scare the <laughs> shit out of me. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's, I'm not trying to. Yeah, you anyway. know, I can't remember what her face looked like. That's for sure. Like, I, I couldn't tell any facial features, but mom, mom could, clearly. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's, what I, uh, sorry, the other thing I was going to ask is, you heard murmuring. What was, what was the, what did your mom say was the thing that was said? Did, did, or did she say? Or did she say anything? Oh, I wish I had. I maybe I should have done a pre-interview with her. No, I don't it's remember. Okay. I no, don't it's remember. fine. But but was the uh, was there a, like somewhat of a conversation with her? Yeah, I think she. No, maybe she must have said something to her. Mm. Yeah, because it was like a longer, not a longer chat, but I was like, "Mom's in there talking." Like, but I just figured she had, and then like I don't even remember her running down the halls. Like she just like was room to room, and it was a long hallway. It was like wow. five bedrooms separating us. Hmm. Yeah, it was intense. Interesting. But anyways, that's, yeah, um, how that story went. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love the stories that have, like, because it's, it's, you know, I, I obviously had no idea what you're going to talk about today either. We've talked about this before a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I remember this story slightly. Yeah, it's um, my round the fire ghost story yeah, we, now for the kids. And, and Trish and I, have, we used to work together and literally. Had a lot of campfires. Around campfires <laughs> was our job to do that, so. But yeah, it, how handy. Yeah, <laughs> but also, so anyway, I I, I didn't know you're coming with today, but it's because you know sometimes you like it's the same thing with like Amanda's dad. Like I saw a guy on the bow of the yeah. ship and he was smoking a pipe, and it's like okay, dad. But then if like you know the other guy that was with him was like, hey, did you just see that guy at the bow? Whatever, you know what I mean? There's like yeah. a, a weird corroboration. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the, gives the, it credibility, but it kind of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, yeah. The, the closeness of, of Trish's and her mom's experience in that scenario is remarkable. Like, that's really incredible. I, and funnily enough, you know, I never, I don't recall ever doubting my father's story. I always accepted it as, at face value because my father's not that guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if if he felt like he'd experienced that, I feel like he really experienced that. Totally. The other, the other mystery is, how did you get a bedroom with an ensuite with there was five other bathroom bedrooms there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, it's it just the way the gender and the the order of the children like awesome. were played out. I was in the middle, but my other sisters were seven years younger, and mm. yeah. So they had it, bathrooms too. There was a lot of bathrooms in the house. I know we're getting off topic, we're but this is the one thing we're I'm going sure high end li- here. Well, the, the <laughs> listeners are going to be sending us emails about that. They're going to wonder. Yeah, it the bathrooms are what they're going to wonder. Of, that's the part of the story. Oh, that's and unreal. then the joke was this house was so big that I was raised in. Like it had five full bathrooms. Like we had, we had a hard time wow. selling it, and so the um, Catholic Church needed like little mini convents for across oh. rural Ontario, and this is in New Hamburg, Ontario. So, yeah, the Catholic Church brought, bought the house from us, and we just laughed, and we're like, oh, my gosh, imagine the ghosts they're going to see in this house. That's funny. You know, so gross. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> my brothers were so gross. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so this is maybe a little bit of a, not, well, not really. This is, I'm, I'm genuinely curious, but it's also maybe a bit of a devil's advocate question. Mm-hmm. At that age, at that point in your life, yeah. and then again, also looking back now, from who you are now. Yeah. It was 20 years ago. I know. What what would you chalk that up to? What would you say was the cause for that event? Was it a spirit? Was it some sort of mental connection between you and your mother? Was it just an energy flux that your brain happened to interpret a certain way? Like what, just out of curiosity, what what do you- From the moment it happened and every single moment since then till now, it has been the spirit came to us. Yeah, I've never once wavered on it. I've never questioned it. 
I've never, maybe at some some parties, yeah, maybe I've had some people kind of been like, what, that sounds fake, who cares? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I've, well, never, I, I've never even taken that personally. I'm just wondering I, I, if I, I think what Amanda may be asking is like, has your, uh, you, you thought it was a spirit then, but has your like opinion of more what the spirit is evolved in that time? Like, I don't mm. know. I'm not yeah, that's a little bit. Sure. I'm, I'm just a little bit curious because. Obviously, this is uh, this is a, you know it's a, such an interesting topic, but it's something that people are likely to be skeptical of. Mm-hmm. But it's also one of those topics where I'm curious what any given individual thinks is happening. But then there's part of me that also says it also doesn't matter what's happening, whether it's really a spirit or whether it's a misfire in our brains or whether it's something else entirely. Because the experience yeah. still happened and That's the person still got yeah. whatever out of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So I was, it, honestly, like, I, 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 it sounds as legitimate as anything I can possibly imagine hearing. <laughs> like, truly, like, it really mm-hmm. does. But I'm just curious what other people interpret it as, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can't ever. I agree. I agree with Amanda. And I interpret her ghost story as I think her Nana was still alive and they just didn't tell her. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, no, I think she was pretty skinny. She would have like yeah, hidden behind the wall. <laughs> oh no, my my Oma was large. Oh. She was she was like yay tall to a grasshopper and oh. just as wide. Oh, I see. <laughs> Part of why she died. I'm sure she had like a heart attack sitting in her chair watching TV. Well, that's the dream for everybody. Yeah. Ugh. Well, that's interesting because yeah, I I uh, yeah I think that. Again, it's like Amanda just said, I think it's like, it's always real for you. If you yeah. tell a story and mm-hmm. people go, oh, it's stupid. I don't believe that. It's like, that's, I'm not, I'm not here to convert you. Well, yeah. and not necessarily in this arena, but, but in general, the, I've been that person for sure. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, about mm-hmm. other things. But, you know, the older I get and the, and the more people I meet and the more things I experience, I just, I really, really, really feel like actually who cares who cares what like if you're curious go ahead drill down figure out what the phenomena is but who cares what the phenomena is because the end result the experience is still the same Mm -hmm. and it's still meaningful and it's still impactful and it's still lasting so let's roll with that that's the thing is is like i was saying to my husband i was like i'm not gonna cry when i tell this story i've told this story so many times i'm Mm -hmm. not gonna cry anymore i'm fine and like i didn't cry a lot like i definitely held myself together there but it's still freaking punching me. Like, oh, when yeah. is this story going to lay off? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't but, know. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, that's that's the gift. Whatever yeah. that message you got mm-hmm. is so strong that 20 years later, yeah. it still shakes you up, totally. which is really incredible. Like, there are not a lot of experiences in life in any capacity that you can have that yeah. will offer you that. That's yeah, true. I liken it to the same feeling of when, like, I, uh, if you ever had an airbag go off in your face when you're in a car accident, it's like a moment like that that you just can't forget, you know? Yeah, yeah I haven't mm-hmm. had that, but I... It I, sucks. I <laughs> yeah, it hurt. I, yeah, I've seen the burns. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. But, um, that's anyways... Amazing. I can just go on to my second ghost story. Yes, that yeah, would be incredible. It's a little different, but it'll just I'll just start by saying it was about my friend Lee. And I met my friend Lee when I was 20. He was 19. And we were in the same party crew uh, during like the glory days of university, you know, just endless student loans, paying off all your parties and having a lot of fun, you know, and he was part of that crew. Hmm. He was notorious within the crew as being the most drunk one, the most loud, the most musical, 
one of the most handsome, the easiest charmer could get in, get us into any club, but then would also be the first to get us kicked out. So he was. That's not very helpful. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah. I sounds like you're describing me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. His name was <laughs> Lee. Except for the most handsome. <laughs> no. <Wow. laughs> Definitely. Yeah, Lee. So he was Lee. And the first night I met him, we were at a house party. And I just remember being like, that guy is an asshole. And like, I hate him. But I can't stop looking at his biceps. What's going on? <laughs> well, now I know you're talking about me. <laughs> so um, just to get it on the table and out of the way, Lee and I never kissed. We never did anything intimate. We were just from very early on good friends. And we decided to keep it in that category. And we did. So that was good for us. And Lee, you know had his run-ins with the law the police would bring him home and they would knock on the student house door and we'd answer and they'd be like do you know this guy and people in the back would be like no take that fucker out of here we fucking hate him and we're like yeah we'll take him home and it was just like little stories like that with this guy so we lost touch because he stole a bunch of money from some local friends who were also like artists and drug dealers but they had large piles of money and so Lee stole the money, so he had to skip out of the country in 2010. And everyone's like, Lee ran away. Yeah. Um, so he skipped the country. And again, he was also oh, never on social media. So no one really knew where he went. Even, you know, girls that said they were in love with him said, we don't know where Lee went. His brother and sister said, we don't know where Lee is. And so everyone just kind of was like, well, that guy probably is dead somewhere, or we don't know. He's gone. And then in, uh, when was it, late 2013, I got, so in 2013, we reconnected for a little bit, and he was down in California somewhere. He just, we'd, we would talk on Skype. He emailed oh, me. Oh, when Skype was Yeah, thing. Skype in 2013. And... It, I was so happy to hear from him because a part of me still really longed for my ex who was Lee's best friend or Lee's old best friend because Lee ran away. He cut ties with everyone, including him. And not many people had forgiven Lee, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was one of the few people that did forgive Lee. And um, we started talking a little bit in 2013. And then uh, he got himself into trouble again and went black again. So I was like, whatever. I got married to my husband. I was like, I don't really need that in my life anyways. That's drama. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we just went on with it. But then in late 2018, he came back into my life after I had already had my daughter and been married. You know, a lot had happened in my life. Um, I was on the road traveling, living in an RV. You know, I was living a very adventureful life. And he reconnected with me and said, I'm on Vancouver Island. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're back in Canada. Welcome, how'd you get here? He's like, don't worry about it, I'm here. I'm like, perfect. So we start talking again, uh, this time on Facebook Messenger. And um, it's just nice to catch up with him. And he's very, very excited because he tells me he's gotten his girlfriend pregnant. So he's going to be a dad. So he wants to talk to me about parenting. And it sounds very grown up life, you know, and he's promising that he's trying super hard. He's doing really well. You know, he's saving money as a job. This is these are all big strides for him, you know, but still then once in a while he'd go black for two weeks and then he'd come back online and you'd hear the truth that he was drunk outside a bar and got like, you know, beat up by some oil pigs. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? 
So clearly he wasn't growing up very much. And to make matters worse, then his girlfriend miscarried. Make matters worse, make matters better. Don't know. Miscarried. So no baby for Lee. And then he went black again for like another week and came back online, told me again how he had been in some fights, thinks he has a concussion. I was just sick of it. I was like, this is like drama from 2000, like the early 2000s. All again, Lee, like you haven't changed. I'm, you know, I'm done. So I think the last like text that I sent him on Facebook Messenger was something like, if you don't change soon, you're going to die. You know, it was it was like that. The word was die. Anyways, sure enough. A week later, he OD'd and died. Mm-hmm. So I heard from a friend who also reconnected with him. And then it was just kind of like the two of us. And then we kind of disseminated the information out to the old party crew. And it was it was nice. Everyone started with, well, he was a piece of shit. But, you know, he was all the other things. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you could throw him into any band. He could play any instrument. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Just he had his talents. He had his magic and his beauty that was undeniable. But anyway, so I was kind of upset by it because I was like, whoa, I feel really bad that I said that. Like, maybe I should have reached out more. Like, you know, maybe I could have called his mom or his brother and said, you know, Lee's still in trouble. What should we do? But whatever. I didn't feel too, too much guilt because I had tried that stuff in previous years and didn't go very far as it would. And I'm sure other people tried to save him and some people just couldn't be saved. So I'm sad. I'm crying. But it's not horrific. A couple days go by still sad but nothing too too bad but then two weeks go by and I go to sleep and in my dream so this is a ghost story that happened in my dream I'm in this beautiful kitchen with a bookshelf that's like on the floor underneath an island and I'm organizing all my favorite cookbooks and Juna my daughter is my five-year-old daughter at the time is on the floor behind me playing quietly and I'm just organizing my favorite cookbooks. And then I look up on the counter and then there's Lee sitting there. And I'm like, oh, I stand up and I say, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be dead. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I am dead. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, you look great. And he's like, yeah, there's no drugs or booze in heaven. <laughs> I was like, ah, there was no embrace. There was no touch. I was just looking at him. And then he jumps off the counter. And again, it was a hallway thing. (laughs) He just, this hallway magically appeared in my dream and he just like went down it. And this story doesn't like dig me to my soul as much as my other one for some reason. Um, Maybe because it's Lee. Maybe he, you know, just came back to like mess with me a bit or it was the relationship I had with him. We were kind of friends. It was great to see him. He looked amazing. But yeah, I guess this story still gets me. Sorry. It is still a little sad. Of course. Well, this is very recent too. Yeah. This was 2019, yeah, that's, that's January. Pretty, that's Not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a super, super, super vivid dream of which I just got to say goodbye to him. And I don't know. I, I have questioned this. I have questioned if it was just my subconscious processing his death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it was just me hoping for a last connection too. Um, but... Uh, at the same time, I still feel like I hope for more connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it never comes. It was just that one time. So well, I think, I mean, think about mm-hmm. this if I could throw a thought experiment for you. Because, you know, as a kid, you were like, I want to see a ghost. Let's yeah. get a ghost here. Da, da, da. Yeah. And it's like, so I think it's one of those things was when you, it just happened for you. And you were not looking for that. <laughs> no. When you were 17. And the same thing is like, 
I, same with like Amanda says, the point is, is not whether it's real or not when it comes to like having a yeah, dream. It is yeah, real. That's what I'm saying. Uh, like it's, it's real. Yeah. For you, the the so. thing yeah. that happened is absolutely real. Yeah. That's what, I'm, uh, that's what I mean. Like a dream can be the same way too. Yeah. It's like if you could wake up with that feeling and being like, you know, you know, it doesn't, I, we, we, Amanda and I talk about this sometimes too. It's like when you doing something, if it's like really not hurting someone and it's your own belief <laughs> and doing this thing and it makes you feel better, who right. cares? Well, that's, what's funny how I, I use Lee's death now as like a tool. I feel. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's my, like, it's what I, I say, like when I need to cry, I like, it feels like I conjure up Lee mm. in a way. And I have songs yeah. that I listen to that remind me of him. And well, and you know, like you, you are a, a, a sensitive person and you are somebody who is clearly connected to energies in the world, mm -hmm. you know, which is something that, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm blanket, uh, I'm blanket washing North American society. But I think that we, we tend to really dismiss and ignore, you know, sort of the sixth those, sense. <laughs> yeah. Those, those intangible mm -hmm. energy flows, but realistically at, at our core, literally everything in the universe is energy in some form. Yeah. So even if we can't explain it or quantify it or even replicate it, I don't see how how energy flow and inter uh, you know uh, exchange and and interaction stuff can't possibly be a thing, you yeah. know um, I, I just I just don't see how it's possible. So so yeah whatever that that energy was, mm -hmm. wherever it came from, it, yeah, it was real for you and you were sensitive to it and it did it did do something for you clearly. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was so it felt so great to because I guess I was making up this image in my mind. I was always like when in the two weeks prior of that dream between his death and that dream, um, I was always unfortunately picturing him in overdose mode. Mm -hmm. What he would have looked like. Yeah. And it was a really sick thing. Not pretty. So no. the dream was nice to clean them up and send them off, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, and I think sometimes for some people too, and we've seen this with like, I know Amanda's seen this, but like people that with its addiction or disease or whatever, there's something, you know, uh, obviously horrific about losing a loved one, but there's like a freedom in that being like, oh, they aren't tied down to this thing anymore. They're not, yes, you know. Yes, he is free of his, of his struggle. Yeah. But there is that juxtaposition mm -hmm. between, you know, the life a person ends up living, um, if they're living under the thumb of of an addiction or uh, a, a mental or physical yeah. condition or something, and who they are, you know. Yeah. And so, ha getting to uh, this might be this might sound really trite, and I'm not, I'm truly not trying to be offensive, but like the emotional palate cleanser mm -hmm. of getting to see him as who he is, yeah. one last time, sort of just like brush away the the not real part yeah. of the life he was living do you know what i mean because it, it sounds like it sounds was. like the the soul that you connected to mm -hmm. was not necessarily the man he was living as you know definitely yeah like it, that's what i would think so much that if he was to be born again with that same soul but to just somehow not have addictions mm -hmm. it would be truly magical you know yeah um which is which is I, I've struggled myself with addiction and I think in my own Oh, I forgot to share one more thing about Lee actually. That's a silly thing. I don't again I don't know if I take this as like a full on go
ghost story, like the one I definitely love and hold true is the one when I was 17. But I was um, partying with some friends in Grand Forks, British Columbia, border town, real classy at this bar called Clyde's. And there was this trucker there. (laughs) (laughs) There was this trucker there and he was super nice. And he's like, oh, you girls want some drinks? Sure. We did a shot with him. And then we went outside. And he was from Brampton, Ontario, and he seemed like a really, really cool guy, but he had this purple joint, and I was like, dude, I love smoking weed, and then we started smoking it, and I don't know what was in the purple joint, and he said he didn't know it was in the purple joint, he said he bought it from some trucker in Manitoba. Oh, my. Like, it was not a good night, it was not a good night, it was not a good night. I got pretty, like, blackout, dizzy, barfy, need to go home, within, like, maybe, like, 15 minutes of... Of oh, smoking man. some of that so my girlfriends were really attentive took me home sweethearts threw me in the bedroom assumed that my loving husband who was sleeping in there would take care of me but he was really sleeping i guess so i crawled past him and laid on the bathroom floor i laid on the bathroom floor like immobile and so much like tripping ball pain like i don't know what the fuck was in that shit <laughs> <laughs> it was really scary but i was laying on the floor I could hear my girlfriend's drinking in the kitchen. And I was like, well, that's good. At least I didn't ruin their night. So that brought some relief. But I laid there and I laid there and I laid there. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't barf. I couldn't breathe. I could barely do anything. And then when the house got quiet, it was Lee's face showed up and was over me. And he didn't say anything. And that's why I was like, am I envisioning Lee because I'm a piece of shit like him right now? Or like, is he really here with me to to, to tell me for real, smarten up and take better care of my tiny little body. You know, mm. I can't mm-hmm. keep polluting myself like I did back in our party days and maybe I never should have in the first place. But his 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 face hanging over me, which felt like for a long time, was, was, was going on that night. And then my husband opened the door because he had to go pee around like 4 a.m. And he's like, what? I thought you slept on the couch. And I was like, no, I'm on the bathroom floor, man. I'm fucking out of it. I'm tripping balls. Just like... <laughs> whatever you 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 got this shit just own your shit that's what he said to me jeff yeah because i i said that to him like when we used to start smoking weed together like back like in our dating day dating days because he was Mm -hmm. so so much of a lightweight that he would like be like i can't go to the party i can't i'm stoned because we smoked before and i would just be like own your shit man you got this (laughs) so that's what he said to me and it was honestly it bolted me awake. I'm like, oh yeah, I do got this. It like snapped me out of it, hmm. and I could I could crawl to bed. And and then in the morning, I told Jeff, I was like, yeah, I saw Lee's face hanging over me, and he's like, yeah, no shit. He's telling you like you're gonna join me soon if you don't smarten up. And then that's that is what started, um, because that was that was that was when was that then? I forget the dates are all wrong. That was the following winter, I guess. Mm-hmm. January 2020. Yeah. So that's when my. Uh, my journey into learning to not live life with alcohol started. And that was nice. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's mm-hmm. funny is too, is you, like you said, it, it, even if you can use him, it sounds like it's been like a good sort of catalyst for you to be like, Oh, I need to do this thing or not end up like this. But also you said, it's just, it's something even, you know, you, you know, sometimes like you said, you need to cry sometimes. And if you mm-hmm. can think of this sad thing, Sometimes that might just be there for you to be like, oh, I need to help get this out, right? Yeah, yeah, he's kind of my... So, yeah, I don't know. I think it... Uh... He's also my friend that I, I rant to, that I swear at a lot or I blame things for because... So he's created an emotional toolbox for you. Definitely, yeah, yeah. which 
it, I, did, it didn't, I didn't realize I was doing until I met Andrew Verge here and we started talking about Ram Dass and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I can, I can start putting these tears to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What, a, what an interesting gift from somebody who kind of slipped out of your life a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Again, you know, it's, it harkens back to your earlier comment. Like you really never know whose life you're going to impact or in what way. Right. I, I, you know, prior to dying, would he have had any idea that he might have had that sort of impact on your life, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Or would you have had any idea he might have had that kind of impact on your life? And I mean, and, and also it's nice to know that you have, you know, I think it's, I think that the fact that he's in your life in some way kind of speaks to, you know, the fact that you could be real with him. Like even if your last message, if you look at it and being like, ah, uh, that might've been a horrible thing to say. No, it's, it's not because, you know. No, it's not. It's you and I, uh, I mean, all three of us here, friends, we can pretty much say anything to each other mm-hmm. and there's no like, you know, you can be real with and it's because yeah. some, sometimes too, you know how it is. It's like if you're if you're sort of friends with someone and they're they're in an addiction, sometimes you just don't have the space for them to be, you know, and you realize, oh, nothing I can say is going to do this, change anything anyway. But you just don't know what your words can do for someone too, right? But it's also interesting too, because, you know, both of your stories are, are really tragic deaths you know someone dying relatively young you know, your mom yeah. was not an old woman at that point no, no. you know dying young of cancer mm-hmm. someone dying of addictions issues you know both of those of those things are, are are really sad unfortunate they're the sorts of deaths that we would hope we could avoid for people mm-hmm. and i have no idea what the outcome of those death those deaths were for either of those individuals immediate circles their immediate friends and family the people who were like present in their life at the time yeah and it, it good things may have come of it, maybe not. We, we can't know. But you look at the ripple effect, and I'm, I'm a big, I'm, a, I'm fascinated by the ripple effect of anything, and death is no different. Mm-hmm. You look at the ripple effect, and you and you think in both of those cases for you, mm-hmm. there were really remarkably positive outcomes. It changed your perspective on interacting with the world. It yeah. changed your perspective on interacting with your mother. It gave your mother a little bit of something to hang on to because she had someone else in her corner mm-hmm. for some of the the things that she had felt maybe a bit more alone in. You know, his addictions were were a stepping off point for you to like like we said gain an emotional toolbox to look at your own addictions issues. Like like that's that is really even if nobody else other than you knows that that happened, mm-hmm. that is a really remarkable outcome for two potentially really tragic situations. And, and it, it's it's sad that not everybody associated with that situation is likely to know that there is a positive outcome, but I think that's really incredible. Yeah. yeah. You know? The, I'm, I don't know. I've, I've, I read once at the end of a book. It's just the end of the red tent. We've read it before. The very like last paragraph is about if it summarizes too if you if you plant the seeds for flowers now the women of the future will enjoy them mm-hmm. so yeah you never know who's who's because my daughter juna i use lee as as a cartoon character mm-hmm. of what not to do in life or what happens to people mm. if they choose to make the wrong decisions to themselves first yeah. but then it impacts the people they love so yeah no, that's. Um, I think that's important. I'm not. I'm not hiding this stuff from her, and I want her to know that, like, the journey that I went through was hard, and she'll have her own hardships for sure. But hopefully, it won't have to be through what I went. What I went just by mm-hmm. being open and honest, without being scary. 
you know. No. Yeah. But again, this is this is another kind of one of the points that that we we keep trying to to address and readdress in our conversations with people is the idea that you know death really is part of the cycle and it's it's a part of the cycle that we shouldn't ignore we shouldn't deny we shouldn't try to avoid because these things come back around in so many different forms in so many different small iterations and influences and i am in no way no way at all negating the the deep deep tragedy of losing someone that you love or care about but but the the effects and and the the way that 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 those deaths pull back into life mm-hmm. it, it, it's undeniable in my opinion yeah. it is undeniable and and if we if we suddenly had the power to live forever we would lose these these lessons and these gifts and yeah. don't get me wrong they are hard won they are incredibly hard won lessons i am not i'm not minimizing what death is but what would we be what would humanity be as a species if we if we where would we learn from? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yes, there are there are other locations, but it's it's really not the same. It it, it doesn't give the same depth, breadth, impact, lasting influence, how, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it. Like, I just I just don't think it's the same. Yeah. If we're like, no, whatever, we're we're cool, we're gonna live forever. Like, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Plus, I always wonder which way he would have gone. Is there any chance in hell he could have been? you know, a half decent adult man or was mm-hmm. it just going to keep like getting harder to be his friend? So some ways like, you know, it was a relief for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even like you, it's something that stuck out for me is you saying, you know, I use him as a tool to like teach my daughter not what to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when, especially with addictions, people can lose that, that, that way. And, you know, even like you said, your friends were like, well, he was a, he was a dick, but we love him, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that's, that's the legacy he can leave behind to be like, okay, don't do that. Also, man, it, what a character to be like such a, you know, yeah. on paper piece of shit, but also we can still but say, also, you know, sounds like awesome. a beautiful soul. Yeah. 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 So this is why I relate to this guy. So. Yeah. Cause but, I don't but, want her to think of addicts that she may encounter in her life as evil, stupid, weak people at all. Cause he wasn't no. right. So that's the point that we need to accept addicts mm-hmm. and, and maybe, yeah, in retrospect, I was so caught up in my own life and like, you know, just wasn't too, too concerned with trying to save him. But maybe it, I, I could have just by being more direct. But, you know, it's it's a really it's a really interesting direction this conversation is taking because, you know, addictions issues, overdose deaths. I mean, that is we're at the end of 2021. And I think we are all very aware of what a massive issue this is right now. Mm-hmm. And. Although that this is not where we started with the conversation, the idea that, you know, your friend is really a, a beautiful example of like, here is a human being. He had a myriad of people that he interacted with who loved him. He had talents. He had interests. He was maybe going to be a father. You know, there were, there were all of these things that go with being a human. Yeah. And he had an addiction that overruled his life and, and you know, created this tragic end. But, but it's an opportunity to readdress for yourself, for your daughter, for the people listening to this podcast, that at his core, he was a human. He had hopes, he had dreams, he had ideas, he, he was inspired by things, he was worried about things. Okay. You know, he, had a, he, he lived a human life um, in a very real way and touched a, a lot of people, it sounds like. Yeah, he you was know, popular. Th- and that is an entirely separate 
state of being from someone who is dealing with an addiction. Like those are those are not the addiction does not define him, you know, and, and that is that is something that we can take forward like across the board. You know, yes, addiction can be very hard. Yes, there may need to be boundaries laid down, you know, for the, for the well-being of the individuals interacting with someone who has an addiction and for the person who has the addiction themselves. You know, you, you do, you do, I think, need to do whatever you can to try and help. And sometimes that is tough love. But love is at the core because they're a person, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. which is like, how apropos is that message? And mm-hmm. again, it's another gift he's he's bringing forward because that's right now here in this moment at this time, that is like a message we need to be reminded about. Mm-hmm. He loves hearing that. <laughs> you know, like seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and interesting too, like it's like both the stories you told too are people that, you know, died of a disease. Mm-hmm. And that really they had no control over nope. in some ways. And it was just, and and the we, we always say, and I mean, obviously, like I, I'd never want to diminish something being like, oh, it's, you know, because I, I, it, it's, it's hard to hear like, well, the timing of these things are perfect in a cosmic way. That doesn't ever make anyone feel better in the immediate circle. No. But, but when you can step away from it and look back at it and go, oh, yeah, that was kind of like. Like, you know, maybe at a time exactly like Trish, you said you, your mom and your, her, yourself needed to connect and you were, you know, going through being a teenager. I, I was a teenager with a mom as well, uh, you know. <laughs> what? You weren't just miraculously conceived out of nothing? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was, I, was, I, I, I was more trying to not say anything mean about my mom. Uh, <laughs> you know, like you're, you're, obviously there's a time of contention. And so For like sure. if, there, if you have this thing that can bring you together, yeah. That, that's yeah, when I was 17, between. so I was pretty testy at that time. Too. And then, and also just to be like, you know, I'm sure your mom, most moms, all moms want the best for their daughter. And it's like for her friend to come back in and to be like, well, this is how I'll put you two together. Mm-hmm. You know, really, that's a gift for both Guys, of you. Guys, I shouldn't, this is so many dots you're connecting. <laughs> what did I mean? That's what I'm saying. That's what these microphones do. We charge extra for the therapy portion. No <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. In the immediate moment, you, nobody mm-hmm. goes, you know, like, you know, oh, wow, what a perfect timing for her to die. You know, yeah. like it's a, it's a tragic thing. And, and it's like, but then also at the same time, again, giving time and space on it, you look back on it and go, holy shit, that was actually pretty perfect. And 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 who knows, maybe the immediate family or someone else can look back and, and be like, oh, you remember that? You know, there's been a lot of things where it's it's we always, I think sometimes we look at like where we're not and we dwell on those things and that's a grief is absolutely important, mm-hmm. but given again, time and space. Yeah. And again, like none of this is meant to in any way negate or diminish the, the veracity of a true deep mm-hmm. grief. Like that is very real. And, mm-hmm. and, and I don't wish that on anyone, but I'm saying no. that it does exist. We can't deny it. And something does come of it. Mm-hmm. Well, well not, I, oh, sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Well, you're just making me question now. Like, I still always think that was her spirit. But in my head, since I was a kid and I've just never thought about it much, was like she'd made the rounds. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. she went to a lot of different She might have. But, mm-hmm. but the way that Andrew just put it out, you know, to bring us together, like that puts, makes you feel so much more special. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. that's like I, that feels really cool. I've never thought of it as if it was just us. Because I mean, the thing is, I have to imagine that if 
if spirits exist in in the form that we're essentially describing them, where they still have the consciousness of the life that they just lived, they still are, quote unquote, themselves, Mm -hmm. whether that be for forever or for a finite period of time after the death of the physical body. And if they are choosing to try and reach out and make contact in some conscious, sentient way, I also have to imagine that being freed of the restrictions of the physical human plane would allow them a breadth of insight Mm -hmm. that we probably can't even conceive of. So yes, she might have made the rounds, but she also might have had a plan to be like, okay, Mm -hmm. if I hit A, B, and C, I think this is going to happen. Yeah, you know, that's so great. Mm -hmm. I have no idea, but I I think it's given a mission, or you get to choose one. Yeah, I mean, and and again, we've talked about this before. We have no way of knowing. No, no. But I don't know if it matters if we know. I just think it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I've I've heard different things about that. Like where they go, it's like, what is a ghost? What are these things? You know, and it's just. I also think it's uh, it's a. I don't know. I, I, I've heard sort of a ghost is like an imprint of something that makes an impact mm-hmm. and can kind of come around again. And it's just, or, you know, there's different, obviously they'll have religious connotations yeah. or spiritual beliefs of what ghosts are. But at the end of the day, they're just, I think it's whatever, you know, if you see a ghost or you see something or something impacts you, it's, it's absolutely meant for you, Yeah. you know, and it's not because otherwise, you know, what's the point? Because yeah, whatever the conditions are that set you up there, they are your conditions. And yeah. therefore it is, it is an experience. Yeah, you're right. It's an experience that is meant for you. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. And you should feel special. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, I ask everyone sometimes like who are like, you know, seemingly out there in quotations, you know, have you seen a ghost? What was it like? And like, mm-hmm. it, you know, there's no solid stories going around the table of everyone who has a similar experience. So, I don't know. Well, I listened to a podcast that, that was a question that they would ask at the end and uh, to his guest. And I, there was always, sometimes it was like nothing. And he would put it like to be like, have you seen a UFO, a Sasquatch, a, a ghost, a whatever, just something out there. And sometimes people would say nothing. And then sometimes they'd be like, I've been waiting to get this off my chest for a while. Right. <laughs> you know, like they just like, this is a f- space for me. I can say this. And so, but again, they're, and they're always like really interesting. You know, there's something that's like, again always seems to be like meant for them so we haven't we haven't really addressed you do you have any experiences that you would categorize as after death communication directly or indirectly or do you know of anyone besides trish because we already talked to her (laughs) uh yeah i've definitely had i i would say the one uh, i would say one person not necessarily a ghost feeling but just the feeling of that person i've had interact with me a couple times and uh in, in different different iterations that I feel like and it was the only way I could describe it. It was like, I would, I would say it was like, felt like an energy that could, if it was not this person took the form of what this was like hanging around this person or the feeling of them being around just in, and can you describe a little bit more like what the experiences were? If you're, if you're willing. Yeah. I mean, not exactly. I, I can't expire what the experiences were. Typically, they were like sometimes in a time when I was feeling like just a little bit down or not wanting to be, I feel like I didn't know what path I was on or whatever. I'd have this person kind of be like, just feel like they were in the truck with me when I was driving. Mm-hmm. And uh, it felt really 
impactful. I remember like my eyes welling up and being like, oh, is this, this person feels like they're here. I know they're dead. Yeah. And then they, and, um, so yeah, nothing more than, more than just like I say, a feeling of being around and also, but that's, that, you know what? I did the research. That is a really common category of experience. Just like an overwhelming, undeniable sensation of yeah. presence. Yeah. Presence. And also just like almost a weird, you know, when people say they have like a telepathic thing, it wasn't mm -hmm. like there was words in my head, yep. but more like, as I thought the words, they were like, yep, that's, yep. This that's is what thing. you're supposed to. Yeah. Who this was is this what, friend? Um, it was my friend, Aaron, who he had, uh, I, it, it's interesting because I like, I had this conversation at a bachelor party. I was working at a place where I couldn't show up till way, way later. Most people were intoxicated or in bed, but he's like, oh, you got here late. So I'm going to hang out with you. And I'd hang out with him few and far between. But we, every time we did, we sort of were kindred spirits. And it was right around the time, actually, I was like, I'm going to, I'm thinking about starting stand up comedy. And he's like, oh man, you really, you should do that. You should definitely do that. And then I think like three or four weeks later, he died suddenly of a heart attack. And so I was like, same thing. I was like, well, I, may, I I've got nothing to lose. I might as well just try this maybe. And again, I, I took it as sort of a, instead of just being, I look at it now and I actually go, there's something, you know, this is my truth, but it feels like there's more of a push from this person looking back the fact that they, they passed away. And I've had the feeling sometimes of not wanting to do comedy and having this feeling of this person being around me being like, nah, keep going. But anyway, yeah, just, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain. It's like. Can't change the stance. So I'm like, just do it. Well, I, I think I, I used it originally as like YOLO, you know, you only live once and this guy died and he's only one year older than you. You know, you might as well start now and using that as a practical jumping off point. And that's uh, like, you know, we've all kind of done that where you mm -hmm. see that news mm -hmm. story and be Absolutely. like, oh, so, but then more, it's almost like the fact of the thing happening in my life and being, looking at the the facts of my relationship of he's being one year older and he died suddenly and da da da. Then again, going back, looking back on things with time and space being like, Oh, it's more than that. It's more like, yeah, you can, it, you can use that as a, as a tool, but there's more behind it. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't quite quantify what that means, but, um, Fair. but definitely, yeah, more of, I, I, and not, I don't even know how to ex explain it. It's just like, not that the, the person is somewhere else and can come back here. It's just sort of like when they're, when I need them, they show up. That oh, see, I feel like I, I purposefully, I'm like, okay, Liam, I need to talk to you or I need to. See, like, I've never tried that before too. Oh, so that's I'm, what I do. Yeah. I, I haven't tried that, but okay. maybe I should. Because... It feels, it because I feels helpful. Maybe he's sitting there being like, what the hell, dude? You never call. Why do I just show up for you? Yeah, yeah. I so, know. I know. I think of that too. I just figure I just... he's got eternity. I've got, <laughs> I don't know how much time. So. And then, yeah, you do kind of wonder, like, is the soul expired of being within the ether? Is he back in a physical body now? Is it, am I unable? That's why I conjure him because I just assume maybe mm -hmm. I'll just be waiting around forever for him to come back because he's busy doing other things, so. Yeah, well, and again, those are kind of all human thoughts. Like, <laughs> which, but yeah, I think that. It helps. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's anything you can, and, and again, that's one of, you, one of those things where you go, you know, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Comedy is the real thing, but also, but <laughs> insight. It's, but it's insight. Yeah. It's help. It's like yeah. these things, you know. And it's it doesn't matter how 
you know, I think if, if, you know, people always say when it comes to like, uh, touchstones or milestones in life, they're like, your, your grandma or your grandpa would be so proud of you. And it's like, they, people do those things, something say those things. And it's like, cause you know, you usually go to someone that you might've had a relationship or whatever. And I think it's important to look at that, like to be like, Oh, no matter who it is, if there's someone that was important of your life, I think you're like, it would be, I think your friend would be like, yes, you could call me anytime. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, the other thing too is, is, you know, if, if, if we're going to, if we're going to go down the road of considering what might be after we physically die i have to my personal thought is i have to presume that we also shake off the shackles of time so yeah maybe he's reincarnated maybe he rejoined the the mass consciousness whatever but also whoever and whatever he was Mm -hmm. is also completely free of time so realistically that iteration of him should be able to come back and connect with you at any point in your timeline oh i like because he has no constraints Sure. Yeah. Right. I, I I don't know what I'm talking about here, but it's no. that seems no, logical right. to me. <laughs> no, I, I think that too. I think about uh, when I think about after like I, my thing that makes me feel good is like not carrying around the thoughts that I forgot to put out the recycling the other day. You know, that's something that's like, oh, shoot, I thought about that three times. Now the crows have gone through it. It's all over my yard. And, you know, and then. Trish is laughing because she's seen that happen to my yard a couple times. Garbage crow. More than a couple, I suspect. He's such a gnarly crow too. He's so bad. Thousand times. (laughs) No, but right now there's only five or six big items that he's strewn around the the my my yard. But but again, those nagging thoughts that I'm like, I was out of town. I'm like, shoot, I forgot to put that away. I got to think that that, which also took up a bunch of thought space in my head, Mm -hmm. and it kept going up, which is a nice reminder. At the same time, I'd like to think that when we die, I don't carry those anxieties with God, me. I really yeah. hope if we die, we don't have to worry about the recycling. <laughs> no, you leave all of that. And that's oh. what Lee said. You know, there's no drugs or booze. Like, he doesn't have to worry about that. That that big part of his life is over. Yeah. You focus on other things. That sounds like my hell, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. But, what are, no, we I know. I, know I understand. I understand what that. <laughs> but him saying that to be like, yes, I'm free from these, you know shackles of things because i mean we've all seen that before we all have friends that have been like you're like you're just like yeah because of video chat unfortunately yeah you get to see someone's face close up and you're like oh i haven't seen you in six years you've yeah you've aged 12 holy crap did he age more than me but it makes sense when you're living on the streets and heroin and a lot of other fun things that go with that i guess well, especially when you're telling the stories about him, you're, you're always like, oh, how'd you get back here? And he's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like anyone that's like country hopping, that's got to be a fast and rough life, you know? Yeah, I don't think he had a solid bank bank card he could rely on. Yeah. But I, a gift that he did through reconnecting at the end right before he died, he was recording because someone had given him their old iPhone. And so he was recording some of his guitar playing. And he also played the fiddle really, really, really well. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so he just sent me a few different emails, um, about 10 actually, maybe just kind of hoping to connect with someone. It seemed like, look, look, I can do good things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so then the one recording that he sent me of Towns Van Zant. Uh, singing that song. Oh, jeez, I can't. Wildflower. Yeah, Dead Roses, sorry. Dead Flowers? What is it? I'm so sorry. I can't remember the song right now. It's Dead Flowers. Yeah, by, it's, a, it's a stone song, but he he loved Towns Van uh, Wild Zandt. Horses. What? No, it's not Wild Horses. Oh, that's a stone song. No. Anyways, it's, it's, it's Dead Flowers is what it's called. 
Yeah. So he sent me that recording and I started listening to it. And so this is before I even knew it was a Stones song. So I listened to the Lee version singing Dead Flowers Mm -hmm. so much just as he was alive. And I was like, yeah, I really like this. And Juno was three at the time and she's listening to it. And I'm like, this is mommy's friend Lee. So yeah, he sent me Dead Dead Flowers recording. And that's what I use as my crying bait now is the Towns Van Zant version because his version is kind of mumbled. He takes like some coughing breaks and stuff. And I'm just like, ah, I just need something more classy to have on in the car discreetly if I need him to show up, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But it's nice that you have that like talisman for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it is for sure. Yeah. I always have it downloaded on my phone. So it's helpful. <laughs> This feels kind of like a natural conclusion. Are there any final thoughts, comments, questions, any anything anyone wants to say? No, not really. I just wanted to thank Trish for coming out here. Yeah, and absolutely. It was great to be, uh, thanks for being vulnerable with us and telling yeah. us a story because... It's beautiful. It's it tr- it can be truly. We make a pact right now, just the three of us, just because it's fun. And I, I do this with some people. We'll, we'll just like try our best to, to, to spook each other after we're done. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. There's well, I was gonna say there's been someone tapping my shoulder this whole time. <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but then also, if there's any errant noises that don't get edited out, there is some dogs in the room. So if you're wondering mm-hmm. if there's uh, the room is haunted, it's not. No, no I meant if any one oh. of us dies tragically. Oh, oh I'm yeah, gonna yeah, wait absolutely. for you to come back and like do this like oh, of haunting party, and I won't for feel sure. scared because I wasn't scared. But for yeah, sure. yeah. Well, actually, that's the one thing I would like to say because there is something about you know you were talking at the beginning, and something that came to my head is I I knew that. Um, so Houdini was one of those people oh, yeah. that would, I don't know if you knew about this, but he, he would, he, him and his wife would do these seance things, but some of the things they do because he was an illusionist and he was a magician and he would, they would screw with people sometimes too. I love Houdini. But there were, yeah. So they were like pretty amazing. And there's hmm. been people throughout the years and there's always, there's been, you know, a lot of people trying to be like, even to the point of this is where our awakening is kind of, or whatever, where we've kind of gone to sleep about what we we feel about death like there was even shows in the late 70s early 80s going prove clairvoyancy and we'll give you a million dollars and it was magicians doing it and bob barker was actually the host of this show (laughs) and nobody could ever prove it because there was this amazing guy that would be like uh he's very smart and he and there was a lot of people out there scamming and so there's a theory on it there's two theories is that number one that the people that actually do have these powers and can be able to talk to dead people or have this or these things happen, they're not going to show about it. They don't need a million dollars. They don't give a crap. And the other thing was that maybe this guy knew a lot and was trying to keep it quiet. And so he would make think people look stupid and they would put people on the air because that's one thing Houdini tried to do. And he would be like, Hey, we had real experiences. Him and his wife would have real experiences, apparently doing seances and different things. But for the most part, they were scamming people. Mm-hmm. But they did a thing where Houdini said, if I die before you or you die before me, here's the secret code. We'll do right. the seance, tap on the table, do it like this yeah. or give me this password. And she never got anything back from him. Well, and, I mean, they do. I don't really. Not that I'm saying that disproves anything No, 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 at no, no, no. All. I was going to say, I don't really know a lot about mediums. But my understanding is, is that people who can channel that energy, who can, you know, look beyond the veil, you can't necessarily direct who you're going to connect with. Mm. And so, which I think a lot of people hold that up to be like, oh, well, that's a cop out. But it also seemed kind of reasonable 
I mean, even even in the real world, I can't necessarily control who I manage to connect with. Yeah. Um, well, you know, as, or or what they're willing to talk to me about. Well, and you think about it as like, I mean, if we didn't have digital and, you know, all these distractions going on, you know, back a long time ago, it maybe was a little more acceptable. There wasn't yeah. these things. People were in tune. But the fact that we have this society that is instant and we want this stuff right away. And we yesterday. want things to be really specific and concrete. Exactly. We want, yeah. we want, you know, the, we want our dead uncle to come back and be like, okay, so next Thursday, the lottery numbers are going to be mm-hmm. four, exactly. 12, 92, you know, which yeah. I don't, because we're talking about, you know, very, very different planes of existence. I just don't see how even in the best scenario that would actually be possible mm-hmm. i just feel like there's too much potential interference too much miscommunication it's like a mac trying to talk to a, a, a regular computer a pc you know like it's just i feel like they just are not going to mesh well that and your well. uncle might be like i'll give you the lottery numbers but it's going to end up killing you <laughs> yeah so you know you, you're gonna t- you're gonna you're gonna go on these benders in yeah. bali with you know tequila and prostitutes yeah so i'm not going to give you the lottery numbers and so that's like one of those things i might you know what i mean yeah like there's so no, many no, I things know. our ways are not the ways of uh you know it's just you know I, I i and at the end of the day i don't know which side is right maybe it is a cop-out maybe it's not but i think that there's definitely room for discussion there well, well definitely it, yeah and that was what i i was in high school and i was like oh so a hundred percent there's more available than just like the five senses, you know, and that was mm-hmm. pretty young. And then I started smoking pot like a year later and I just really haven't changed my stance on that. You know, like I hold true. It feels so right. It feels so what I well, saw was 100 percent. And also, would it have changed anything if she, if you woke up and she's like, hello, Trisha, I was your mom's best friend in high school. And <laughs> I died of cancer tonight. Like, would that change any, like, I mean, you would be like, oh, okay, that's why, you're, you know what I mean? It's still yeah. just as weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there yeah. was also, any explanation to it, it, it would be. It somehow seems, like, if I also feels like it might be more profound because you figured that out after. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of fun. That it's was like, the crazy part. Because if they came with, like, a sandwich board on being like. I'm freshly dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. That doesn't. That actually would, that would raise way more questions. So yeah. then what like, happened when my grandpa died? My my mom was like, Trish, 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 you, you got to go in there and you got to say goodbye because he was like his brain was slowly dying. Mm-hmm. He fell and hit the concrete. And so this was pre-COVID. He had all his grandchildren in these hospital rooms staring at him. But I never once went in. And I, yeah. I couldn't. I was like, mm-hmm. no, that's too. That's like the veil is too thin, mom. That's all I said. I didn't get to. I didn't. Maybe I also didn't want to see him all. Mm tied up with the hospital mm-hmm. gear and stuff but yeah. everyone else went in even the niece the great-grandchildren went in there and they said then they they said all the great-grandkids kind of like shuddered and they think that's when his spirit was lifted or whatever because they were mm. all kids under five well i mean i i addressed this a little bit in the very very first episode that just you and i ever recorded you know, working in acute care and you know having been physically present when people die you know many times mm-hmm. and you know i said then and i i really i hold to it i i couldn't tell you what that moment is i've never experienced like a shiver or you know a, a, an instant of knowing or anything like that but there is definitely like there is a time when a person is present even if they're unconscious even if you're resuscitating them or working on them in some way when but when there's a person present mm-hmm. and then nothing seems to change necessarily Sometimes things, sometimes something physical changes, but often nothing seems to change. 
And I, I have to say, I feel like there is no longer a person there. Hmm. It is a, a, a vessel, a body mm-hmm. that we are doing physical things to, but I don't feel like there's, and that is strictly my perception. I have no definitive evidence for that, but I have felt that every single time I have ever been present when someone has died. And what about with pets? Because you've put pets down. Was that the same? Pets I find to be a little bit muddier because the only time I've ever put pets down, they pre-treat pets with like anti-anxiety medication to make them drowsy and calm before they actually administer the medication that will stop the function of their heart. And so the only time I've ever put pets down, I found that to be a very fuzzy experience because the pet is so subdued and they're they feel very muted by that kindness of the initial medication. I definitely had one pet, the the last dog that we put down, Misha. Mm-hmm. She, she was very old and, and very ill when we elected to to have her euthanized. And I'm 100% sure that the pre-medication they had given her, when they brought her back, she was actually already dead mm-hmm. because her system had been so sensitive. Like it just, was she, when they walked into the room with her, I was like, yeah, she's not. Right. Yeah. And and they hadn't done anything wrong. It was just that she was she was so frail that even that little bit of like, we'll give you a little bit of sedation, I think had 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 done her. Had done her in. Hmm. But I wouldn't I like yes, there's the same sort of sense, I I think, but I wouldn't it doesn't feel as as clear to me with when I've been around pets. But my experience with with pets dying has also been much, much more limited. I'm sure it is the same. I it must be like I don't know, but yeah, all my brothers and sisters and all my aunts and uncles and all the grandkids, they all walked out of the room at the same time yeah. and said, he, he's dead. And it was I mean, my obvious. I was present when my grandfather died. Mm-hmm. He had he developed a bad pneumonia. He was in hospital. My grandmother, in my opinion, wisely had made the decision not to pursue any advanced treatments. And so we had gone. I, I, I had come to stay with her when I found out that how, how ill he was. And we had gone to visit him on the day that he died and you know we were sitting there and um, I, actually, I actually took a photo of her with him like moments before he died and we were sitting there and she was she was kind of talking to him and holding his hand and, and I just looked at her I said grandma he's dead and she looked at him and she said oh you're right and 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 that was it like it just it was just he he was like and he he hadn't been awake at any point when we visited him he he wasn't conscious but I just I looked at her and said, yeah, he's dead. And and I and I don't know. I don't know if that's me recognizing on a subconscious level that like I couldn't see him breathing or his eyes weren't fluttering or or if, if it was actually like a sense of the the departure of his spirit. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I was I was acutely aware of of the moment that he died. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I uh well I was gonna say, speaking of that, one way one thing we could say before we wrap up is that uh later once we're done here, I actually found a, a chant, like a, a playlist on YouTube of people that have, you know, loved ones that die at home and they have a camera set up for yeah, security. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the moment they die, there's like a little white thing that comes out of it. And flies I don't off. know if I can watch that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's actually, there's a bunch of them. And uh, no, it's, it's really neat because like, they're always like, really like, uh, like they, they, they say in the comments, we were doing this and then we left and you know they they, mm-hmm. they hugged me and and then all of a sudden there's like a thing that comes out mm-hmm. it's like a and again yes you can do a million things with video and mm-hmm. and editing mm-hmm. and cgi these days but these are people that just have loved ones with a security camera at home and they go here's something cool that we saw on the camera yeah because and they they didn't even think to like 
they weren't like, oh, let's watch the camera. They're like, when they died, they just happened to be like, oh, yeah, we have this footage. It records over itself every 48 hours. I had, now that I think about it, I've actually never really thought about this before. I had my father's best friend. Uh, it, was, it was such an interesting relationship because it was a best friendship where they were in touch and not for like huge blocks of time. Years sometimes they would go without talking to one another and they'd jump right back in just like they'd never been apart. His name is Tom and he, he'd been a, you know, a, a mainstay for me growing up, you know, popped in and out of my life. He was just, he was always there. He was always the same guy. And after I'd become a nurse, this was a few years ago, I think it was before I met you, he was diagnosed with terminal liver cancer. And liver cancer is, it's not pretty. You go downhill fast. And liver cancer is an interesting one because he probably didn't die of liver cancer. Liver cancer is almost always a secondary, like it's it's a, a met from somewhere else, but they never found his primary site. So he he basically had no hope for treatment. They, yeah. they tried throwing a few things at him. And then, mm-hmm. anyway, I got the call. Tom's really sick. He's in hospice, you know, wow. And so I was like, oh, well, and I hadn't, I hadn't seen Tom in years, you know, like he was, he, he was the sort of person that like I could have showed up at his doorstep at any point and he would have done anything for me because I was my father's daughter. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like he and I kept in touch. And I was like, oh, well, I, I have to go see him. So I, I drove, it was to Kamloops as well. I drove to Kamloops, you know, contacted his family, got the okay to come up and see him, you know, had a, had a few brief moments with him. There were, there were a lot of people there. And, you know, I remember like sitting there with him just for a few minutes um, where I was able to talk to him before I was asked, you know, just to step out so that he could rest and, and him just sort of look at me and saying, you know, I'm so fucked. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you really are. I'm sorry. You know, and, and just telling him that I loved him and then I left and I came back the next day and I wasn't able to go in. The family was just like, no, we just need some like quiet space. And I was like, okay, cool. And then the next the next day, and I, I can't even remember what time of day it was. I had a moment where I was just all of a sudden, I was just like, something changed. Mm-hmm. Just, just a split second. I didn't even connect it with him. And then like that afternoon, it was like, yeah, and he died today. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if that's what it was. I mean, yeah. may, maybe now I'm I'm connecting the dots retroactively, but probably. Yeah. I don't know. There was. I don't know. There's something. You were mm. so close, even in proximity. If you were in the city, even. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think anyway. So. Yeah, death mm. is a funny thing when you start to laugh about it. Like one, mm. and just my last little death joke, is my gra- great grandmother died on my mom's 16th birthday, November 16th, and then her mother died on her birthday several years later, 2012. November 16th. The mm. following year, Grandpa died on November 16th. Oh. Wow. So I call my mom every year for her birthday. And I'm, the first thing I always say is like, oh, good. You're still alive. But <laughs> I, I, I think you should tell, be saying, hey, I'm still alive. Well, that's what I'm telling mm-hmm. Juna. I'm like, Juna, we're probably going to die in November. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, wow. just, it's just a little fun thing. Yeah. But they also say, you know, you're studying death. Death happens in November more yeah. than others. And, yeah. yeah. Mm. So anyways. That's it. Well, I mean, thank honestly from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much oh, for sharing your story. <laughs> yeah, I, I this yeah. has been a phenomenal conversation. Do you have any projects on the go? Any places that people can connect with you that you want them to find you if they wanted to look you up? Anything like that? You don't have to. But no, I'm pulling a Lee this winter. I'm going dark. You know what? Actually, I forgot. I'm so sorry. I forgot. We have one question that we always wrap up okay, with. I do have to extend this a little yeah. bit. Sure. What would you say is required for a good death? And you can answer that, you can interpret and answer that any way that you think. 
Well, I, I don't know. That's so you just want to say a good life. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like a sense of completeness. At any moment. Yeah, that's yeah. what we talked a lot about this summer too, right? Like yeah. you know the stupid Ed Sheeran new album put out and it's like, you know, I've never been afraid of death, but I wanna see the things that haven't happened yet. And that's like kind of how I feel too. It's yeah. kind of pop pop music. Oh, thanks, Ed works. Sheeran. <laughs> thanks. Mm. And like the thirty writers who wrote that song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's great. Yeah. Uh, that's sorry, I can't even believe I almost forgot that. We asked that of everyone at there the end you of go. the yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. And Thanks, Trish. Yeah, thank you, guys. We will wrap it up there. Thanks to the dogs for behaving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Good night. Good night. night. Thank you for joining us. We hope we brought this dead conversation to life for you. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider liking or subscribing on your chosen podcast player. Information related to the podcast can be found at the link in our Instagram profile, at TMTDpod, and you can always follow us while you're there. Finally, please share the love. Tell a friend, maybe even a dead one, to check us out. Whoop, whoop.